0: Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. All right, how's everybody doing today? Good? Good? A little cold, probably? It's okay? At least, well, I mean, I guess I'd say if you don't like snow, at least you're not in the northeastern part of the country right now. Um... I have some people at work on my team that are based out of Massachusetts and I texted one of them yesterday because I said, hey, how you doing, everything all right? You still got power, you guys okay? Because she said, we're expecting like 30 inches of snow and I'm like, can I come stay? Like, can I get there before it starts? You got a spare room because I love snow. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, here that I interact with, especially Mr. Horgan, whoever he is, always gives me a hard time when I say, more snow, more snow, more snow, because I love it, I do. Not everybody does, and I understand that, so it's okay. But I, she sent me some pictures and stuff. It's, it's a lot up there. But the wind, she said, is the hard part for them. But I like the snow. I kind of like the cold, too. I like the cold a lot better than I like the hot. I can tell you that much. So uh, Denise already introduced me, but again, my name is Nathan Reed. Uh, I've been at Vineyard West Side for a long time. Don't know how many years, but a long time. Back Danbury days and before this place at all, so... Uh, been involved in the middle school and the high school ministry for most of the time that I've been here as well. So had a lot of different roles within the group you know, started out just kind of coming in as a volunteer, working with the kids, working with everybody that was here and just stuck around, worked with a bunch of different people and just consistently been here and consistently worked with the students and have seen Tons of students you know, grow up through all of you know, elementary, come to middle school, come to high school. Then you know, I see on Facebook now, I'm like, they've got kids that are in elementary school, and I'm like, dang, what the heck? Been doing this for a long time. So it's really cool to see that too, to see that and you, know, you start out with them when they're really young or they come in, you know, they're a baby in the nursery, and then they grow up, and then they are middle school students. I'm like, wait, I remember when that kid was born now I feel kind of old. And I'm not that old. I know that. But then I'm like, dang, I've been doing this for a while. So it's really cool to see that, though. So the thing I get to talk about today is consistency. I love consistency, personally. I'm a person that needs it. I thrive on it. If I get out of my routine, it's really hard for me to kind of get back into and to get things done. I know some of you are that way. My consistency in my life has taken a super big hit recently, in the past month or so. We had a baby a month ago. And so, if any of you had a baby before, or met a baby, or seen a baby, you know that the last thing they are is consistent. <laughs> or at least you could maybe say the only thing that's consistent about them is that they're inconsistent. They cry and you don't know what's wrong with them, they poop all the time, they need to eat all the time, they just, you just never know what's going on. And then adding that baby into the mix with our three other boys, makes it even crazier because then it adds a new dynamic and then their consistency's thrown off and then they start being more crazy and it's just, it's just a mess. So it's, it's a hard time. So if I yawn, just forgive me in advance. Can we agree to do that? <laughs> it's not you, it's me. Um, but no, and I do have to say this because since we don't have uh, our children's ministry and student ministries open today, my wife and kids are at home so they were disappointed they couldn't come to church and so I have to tell them hi so I'm gonna do that. So, hi, Jackson, hi, Ezra, hi, Lincoln, hi, Holden, and hi, Kirby. They're all at home, so all those children with my wife at home, so I hope she's okay. (laughs) I'm sure she is. She's got it. So, but that's, that's hard for me, right, to be out of that routine, and I'm building new routines right now. I'm getting into things that are newly consistent for me. So, I think we all struggle with some things in areas of consistency, right? Some of us are like, hey... I want to read the Bible consistently, but I just can't do it consistently. Or I want to pray consistently, but I just can't do it consistently, or I want to exercise consistently, or I want to eat right consistently, but I just can't do it. And again, for some of you, just like an infant, you feel like the only thing you're consistent at is being inconsistent, right? I have that feeling sometimes. So again, I love to stick with things, like I've told you. So. But I think most of you here, if you've lived in Cincinnati for any period of time, have chosen to be consistent with something, most of you. The Bengals are playing today, they're playing the Chiefs. I know we have at least one Chiefs fan in the room here, but I'm not going to call them out because I don't want an angry mob, so it's okay, it's okay. (laughs) Um, But if you're a Bengals fan, I mean, it's been so long and it's been so bad, right? It's been so bad. And you've chosen to stay consistent and chosen to stay with it, and that's hard, right? Like, if you think back to that, like, oh my gosh, it's been bad, right? Like, I came to Cincinnati in 2003, so I grew up in Indianapolis, so I'm a Colts fan first. Being a Colts fan has not always been easy either. The Colts came to Indianapolis in 1984, which is when I was born, so it was like, you know, I was brought into the world, and the Colts were brought to Indianapolis, so it worked. But the Colts were terrible. For such a long time, really, until Peyton Manning came in, 19, well, in 1998, is when Peyton Manning came to Indianapolis. His first year there, their record was three and 13. So you remember, you know, Joe Burrow last year came to Cincinnati, not a great record. He got hurt, but you know, not a great season. I don't know what the record was, but it was not good. Next year, they were 13 and 3 in the playoffs, and it started rolling. And now you see the Colts being a team that people are like. Hey, that's a good team. That's a good organization and everything. And so my consistency as a fan paid off because now I can you know, generally be happy to watch the team I wanna watch. And I think it's it's getting there for Bengals fans. So for me, when I came to Cincinnati, it was you had to watch the Bengals on TV. And I know all of you know that feeling where you're like, game's on, I have to watch it because I'm a fan, and it's the only one on, so if I wanna watch football, that's what I have to watch. But now we're getting to the point where we get to watch the Bengals on TV, where you can get excited about it and you can go, oh my gosh, they could probably win this game. They've could, uh, they should win this game. This is exciting, it's fun to watch, and they do win games. And then having an AFC Championship game today, like you get to watch the Bengals today. So this is like the first time in a billion years when you've gotten to watch the Bengals in almost February. So super cool, super exciting. So the Bengals are my number two team to cheer for. I'm sorry that they're not my number one, but I have to be consistent and hold to my roots with Indianapolis, and I know the Bengals and Indianapolis don't hate each other, so it's fine, I hope. So I'm super excited what's coming for the Bengals, and I'm super excited for today in the game. So I promise I will try to get us out of here before three. It's a joke. (laughs) So another thing that a lot of you might know about me is that I'm a runner. So I like to run, I'm one of the people that chooses to run, not being chased and kind of running, but I choose to do it on purpose. So consistency is super key in distance running. You have to keep your training consistent. You have to keep your pace consistent, your breathing consistent. Everything has to be consistent. You can't run a long race without training consistently. I mean, you can do it, but it's miserable and terrible. I know people that have tried to run a marathon or run a marathon with, like, no training, and I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with you. But you have to be consistent. And so that's something for me in my life that I keep consistent, and it's super good for me. But consistency is super hard. It's not easy. Nobody would ever say it's easy. I know if you've ever tried to be consistent in anything, you're like, no, this is hard. Especially starting, right? Even Paul. We all know Paul in the New Testament. He wrote a bunch of it. All, you know, three quarters of it probably. In Romans 7.15, Paul says, don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, do not do. But what I hate, I do. If this isn't a picture of inconsistency, I don't know what is. I'm like, ah, got to read the Bible today. I got to read it. I got to read it. I got to read it. No, I didn't do it. Oh, man. I hate that I didn't read the Bible. Ah, oh, I don't want to do this one thing that's bad for me. I don't want to overeat. Ah, oh, Man, I had the whole bag of chicken wings today. Dang it, right? We do that, and then we hate that we do that, and it gets us into this bad cycle, right? And so one of the things we're going to talk about today is, you know, kind of a little bit more about what consistency really is, and also kind of some ways we can be consistent but really not always in the way that we think. So I think anything that you struggle with in your life or you try to work on, you got to understand that consistency matters. Consistently following God and his guidance matters a ton. So I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll really start to get into it. God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for the Bengals and also the Chiefs. Thank you for football. Um, Thank you for really everything you do for us. All these things are are things you've given to us, and football is one of the things that you've given to us. I feel like it's something you gave to us to enjoy and to have fun and to get together with friends and just something to do. So help keep us focused today. Uh, Help at the game today keep everyone safe and just keep us all paying attention and help us learn something today. Amen. So we're in a series. It's called Pre-Decide. So... Ryan started last week talking about it a little bit and kind of talking about how our decisions are so important. We've got to pre-decide on things because when we pre-decide on something, we've got a better shot at doing it. I took a, when I was in college, they, they had us go through a class about like self-defense. So if you get mugged or somebody's coming to get you for some reason, if you don't pre-decide and don't plan out in your head what you're going to do, you're going to freeze and do nothing. But that was the biggest thing this lady taught us was If you plan on what you're gonna do, you have a system in place, you know I'm gonna do this, 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 and this, and you play it over and over in your head, you've pre-decided that you're not gonna be a victim and you're gonna fight back and you have a better chance of defeating your adversary at that point. You gotta pre-decide, it's super important. So Ryan talked last week about being ready, because temptation is an area where we have to pre-decide to avoid it. And what's really important is kind of building to the next step on that, consistently pre-deciding on these things is what's gonna keep us going in the right direction, it's gonna keep us out of trouble. You can't pre-decide to avoid temptation one time and expect it to work, you have to do it consistently. You can't say, well, those Reese's eggs that I know he talked about last week, uh, I walked by them once on the counter, resisted that temptation, I pre-decided once, it's fine, I've done my part, next time I walk by I'm gonna eat them, right? No, it's not what avoiding that temptation is, it's about consistently deciding ahead of time. So we've been hitting on a phrase throughout the series that's critical to all this, and you'll kind of hear it again and again and again as we go through this. When faced with blank, I've decided to blank. When faced with blank, I've decided to blank. So we talk about being consistent. I think a lot of times we focus so much on our own willpower. What I'm gonna do, if I try really hard, I can totally do this. If I decide ahead of time, if I pre-decide, because you said I had to pre-decide. If I do that, I can totally do this. I can make anything happen. If I want it bad enough, I can totally do this. I, 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 I. I doesn't really work here, right? If you've ever tried to fight or overcome something on your own, I doesn't work. I gets you so far, I might help you for like, you know, if you're trying to quit drinking alcohol, well, it might help you for a week. But then, what about a year? What about five years? What about ten years? I is probably going to fail you. I mean, you could even probably look at a lot of studies. They'll show you that I fails you in those cases. You need a team, right? So, we've got a great teammate. So, Philippians 4.13 is a verse that, you know, any kid that's been in church at all in their life has been forced to memorize. And it's a great verse to have inside your heart. And it's something that I've got inside my heart. And what it is is, can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You just say it over and over. Because he's on your team, right? There's no I there. It's you and God and whoever else you surround yourself with that helps you on those things. What that verse doesn't say is, oh, I can do all things on my own. We need help, right? And with God's help, we can be consistent. And only with his help. Can't be consistent on our own. So there's a kind of a phrase or a quote that's out there about people in general. It says, successful people do consistently what others do only occasionally. Successful people do consistently what others only do occasionally. This is so, so true. And when you really think about it, you say, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? So at work, I manage people. And right now we're at our year-end review time. So. If I'm a good manager, when I'm looking at somebody's year in review, what I have to do is I have to take into account what they've done the entire year, right? I can't say, man, you did awesome for the past two weeks, but you didn't do anything for the other 50. Well, I'm doubling your pay, you're getting a promotion, great job, right? Because it's not consistent, right? They occasionally did some things that were good, but they didn't always do things that were good. Or. You know, it could be the other way, right? You had a great 50 weeks, but man, what happened the past two weeks? Hey, you're fired, right? No, it's not the way it works. You gotta view things consistently. And when I look for people that are really good, I look at what have you done all year? What have you done the whole time? Not just what did you do the past couple weeks or the past couple months. It's what have you always done? Who are you? And I think you gotta really, really understand that. I think the thing you avoid there is what's called recency bias. So, recency bias is you just look at something and you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's, that looks real bad right now, so it's bad. But maybe that thing's not real bad. Maybe it's just bad right now because of something that happened. You know, if I could look at maybe an employee on my team and maybe they had COVID or something like that, so the past couple weeks their performance has been bad because they had COVID. doesn't mean they're not <laughs> good at their job, it just means something's going on that we got to dig into. So, I think we got to avoid that when we look at consistency for ourselves is Okay, we got to be consistent, but we can't say, oh, it's good for a few weeks, I'm perfect, right? I think it goes that way with our health, too, or even mental health. Um, I've met some people in my life that have had, like, big, big, big mental health challenges and so big that they need a medication for it. Medication is great, got them right in the right spot, right where they need it to be. I'm like, oh, man, you're doing great, this is awesome, you're, like, you're, you're, you're making it. And they're like, yeah, I feel really good. I'm going to stop taking my meds now because I think I fixed. And then what happens a week later, right? They come in, and they're a total mess again because they thought it was okay, but it really wasn't, right? And that's the way consistency works for us a lot of times. We fall into that trap, and we say, hey, I've got this. I fixed this. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Puts us in a bad place, too. That's one of the reasons consistency matters so much. So in the Bible, there's a lot of leaders, a lot of people, a lot of consistent people we see, right? One of them is Daniel. So story about Daniel, you know, Daniel, Lion's Den, all that kind of stuff. We're going to get into that a little bit today, but really talk about why consistency brought Daniel through that. because I think a lot of times we look at it and we're like, "Oh man, he prayed to God. He did the right thing. went to the lion's den. They didn't kill him. Daniel wasn't cat food, and we were happy, right? Great. Let's go a little bit further back than that. So Daniel was consistent. He was consistently moral, consistently following God, and consistently doing all the things that he needed to do to live his life right. So he was alive maybe around 650 B.C., so a long, long time ago. And during this time, one of the things that would happen is kings would conquer Different areas. And then they would be like, okay, cool. I need some of your people because I want to develop them and I want to grow them and I want them to be our people. So he would go, the kings would go, and they would get these boys that were about 12 years old and be like, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're coming with me. So they would take them, they would train them up, they would basically indoctrinate them to be future leaders so that when they went back on these people, they could dunk on them and say, like, okay. Yeah, this guy we took from you. Yeah, now he's your boss and he's doing what we say. That's kind of, you know, really disheartening, you know? Somebody comes and they take them away from and you know they're your people but they're not treating you right. So that's kind of what they would do and it was a, it was a tactic to really like kind of mentally just mess with people and really keep them down. And so they would do this. So King Darius was a king at the time. He saw that Daniel was great. He's like, that dude is awesome. I need him on my team. He's my first pick. Let's get him in here. Let's get him trained so that we can use him. And mainly it was because Daniel was consistent. He stood out. But other dudes were there, and they saw Daniel as a big threat. I know if any of you have ever been good at anything in your life, and you've been in a competition with other people, what a lot of people will do is as soon as they see you're really good and you're in line for something that they want, they try to tear you down, Right? They, they're not as confident in themselves as you are in yourself or not as confident in their abilities to be better than yours. So they say, if I can't be as good as you, I'm going to make you as bad as me. And so that's what they started to look for with Daniel. They said, okay, let's dig up some dirt on this guy. Let's find his old tweets. Let's find his old TikToks. Did he ever write a bad word on a scroll? Did he draw a dirty picture on the wall of a cave somewhere? I don't know. we got to find it, right? we got to find it and find some dirt on this guy and make him as bad as us. Because if he's as bad as us, then we've got a chance to get the job that we want. So they couldn't find anything. And so then these guys are like, well, wait. So we can't find anything, so now we have to manufacture something, right? Okay. Let's make something up, and let's make Daniel a bad guy. Let's find a way to make him a bad guy. So Daniel 6 says this. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So the plan they put together. They got in the king's ear and they were like, King, you were awesome, you were great. Just kind of buttering him up, you know, because they need him to do something. And you know, if somebody comes in to butter you up and then they ask you for something, you're like, Yeah. You guys like me. I'm totally going to do that for you. Like, if you got kids, and they come in like, Dad, you're so great. Your hair looks nice today. I like that shirt. And you know what's coming. Like, they're going to ask you for something. And you're like, mm, yeah, I see what you did. But see, I'm not sure the king was that smart, or he was super vain. And he said, okay. Oh, you guys love me. Awesome. I'm going to do what you ask. And so what they asked is, a King, since you're so awesome, Let's just make a decree, because at this time, kings were viewed as gods, right? And they said, let's make a rule that if anybody prays to any god but you in the next 30 days, go in the lion's den. King said, man, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So, you know, he signs this decree, and that's his decree. Well, these guys said, great, we've solved our problem, because we know how consistent Daniel is. Daniel's going to keep praying to his God. He's not going to pray to this king. We know that, so let's use it against him. So what's Daniel do? Right? You think, man, what's this guy going to do? So Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Daniel didn't change anything. Daniel wasn't threatened by this. Do you think Daniel knew the consequences? Had he counted the cost of his decision? Of course. Daniel was a pretty smart guy. Of course he knew it was probably gonna happen. But he made that decision anyway. So word got back to the king, and the king was actually pretty disappointed because the king liked Daniel. He didn't really want to kill him, but now his hand had been forced, right? He said, well, I have to do this because that's what I said I was gonna do, and I signed this decree and I have to honor it. So king stood by his word, and to the den Daniel went. So if you've been around church for a while, you know the story. You know how it ends. The mouths of the lions were shut. God shut the mouths of the lions. And Daniel spent the night in there, probably slept pretty well, because he was like, well, we're fine, we're good. Came out without a scratch on him in the morning, right? I know if you've ever, like, again, if you've been in, like, kids' church and things like that, kind of, you see all these, like, pictures of, like, Daniel, like, with his, like, head on the side of the lion or something like that sleeping on him. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know if he did that, but he might have. Who knows? But, like, I just, I get that the vision of those pictures in my head when I read the story. I'm like, yeah, Daniel's just cozied up with a big old lion, just snuggled up. It's fine. You got, like, all these other bones everywhere else from all the other things the lions have eaten, but Daniel's just chilling out with them. So, The king was super happy, actually, when Daniel made it through because he was like, oh, thank God. Like, Because he didn't want Daniel to die. He didn't want this to happen, but he was duped, right? He was tricked. Daniel trusted God to get him through this. And it worked, right? But when did he learn to trust God? Did Daniel learn to trust God in the lion's den? Nope. He learned to trust him when he was praying in that room three times a day, every day. Because if Daniel learned to trust God in the lion's den... He would have freaked out. I mean, let's think, like you get thrown in a lion cage at the zoo and it's like real small, like not, like it's pretty big right now. So like you might have a shot if there's a couple of you, right? But like you're in like a little pit in a cave with a bunch of lions that are hungry. Man, if you don't trust God, you are not going to be learning to trust God there. I can tell you that much. You are going to go, God, why did you do this to me? Why did you put me here? We don't hear that Daniel did that. Daniel's faith wasn't built in the battle. It was built on his knees. It was built before that. Daniel was a man who consistently sought God. And that's what brought him through this. That's what allowed him to defy what the king said. Because, let's be honest, most people that aren't consistent, they're going to say, man, 30 days of not praying or go to the lion's den. It's going to take 30 days without praying. That's what a lot of people would say. But Daniel didn't. His faith was built. He knew that God was going to take care of him. And he also knew that if God didn't take care of him, he was going to be all right either way, right? So remember, we aren't what we do occasionally, but what we do consistently. Daniel was a prayer. He didn't occasionally pray. He consistently prayed. So kind of shifting gears into what's our game plan out of this. How do we get there? How do we be like Daniel? Daniel. Do we have to say, okay, I'm going to pray at 8, noon, and 5 every day in my secret room that faces Jerusalem from my house? No. It's not necess- if, if that's what God needs you to do and what, you know, what He wants you to do, do it, right? But that's not that way for all of you. So the game plan is here. We just start with the why. We've got a plan to fail, and we have to fall in love with the process. So I'll say it again. have got to start with the why plan to fail and fall in love with the process so let's talk about starting with the why why did daniel pray consistently he did it to honor god that's his why three times a day every day to honor god that's why daniel did it he had pre-decided that he wanted to be devoted to god that's how his life was to be lived So you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but if you'd like to, that'd be awesome. A little participation is what we do with the students, too. So raise your hand if you made a New Year's resolution, if you want to. How many of you have kept it? Doing doing okay? Pretty good? Good. It's okay. So New Year's resolution isn't about devotion. It's about desire, right? You feel I want to lose weight. I want to stop smoking. I want to stop drinking. I want to do something awesome. I want to read my Bible every day. Could be any of those things. Could be avoiding a bad thing or starting a good thing, right? But New Year's resolutions are difficult, and I think one of the reasons they're super difficult to keep is because a lot of times there's not a strong why with them. If you had a really, really strong why, you wouldn't say, I'm going to wait until January 1st to start this thing, right? You would start it on July 14th or September 28th, right? It wouldn't matter, the date, if it was super, super important and a super big deal. Not to say that your New Year's resolutions aren't important. They're a good thing and they're a good tool to use. But a lot of times that's why they fail, right? Because you decide, okay, I wanna eat better. Okay, it's Christmas, it's Thanksgiving, I'm gonna eat like crap for two weeks to two months before, and then, gosh darn it, January 1st, I'm salads and fruits and veggies. It's gonna last about two weeks, let's be honest. And if you've tried it before, you know. And I know this is you laughing, you've tried it, right? You're like, okay, great, made that change, it was going awesome, I felt great, but then those Reese's eggs came back again, and I saw them on the counter, and I couldn't avoid them. I just walked by once, I couldn't keep avoiding them, and I fell into the trap, and now I'm eating the stinking bag of chicken wings again, and eating all the Reese's eggs, and I'm back to where I was, right? It's, it's hard, right? It's hard to do those things, it's hard to consistently do things different. But I think it's different though if you, you go to your doctor and are like, hey, you're smoking, it's gonna kill you. Like if you do not stop right now, you are going to die. Your why's a little different, right? You go, oh, wow, this is, this is really tough. That's a, you know, I, I, I gotta stop this now. Whether it's July 4th, you know, September 18th or whatever date you wanna say, you're not gonna go, well, hey, Doctor, that's great, but like, can we hold off on this dying part until January 1st when my New Year's resolution starts? It's not how that works, right? It's, it's a little different. And so I think your why becomes more strong and it does become something you have to be devoted to rather than a desire at that point. So at work, my first job as a manager is to develop people. It's what I do, get them on my team, my job is to make them better and grow them and get them somewhere else. That's it, it's what I do. So every year, we have to put plans together. And if you, any of you work in a corporate environment, you know what a development plan is. Here's all these things I'm going to do to be better this year. Half of us look at them just like a New Year's resolution. We do it because we feel like we have to. And then it sits there all year, and we say, oh, I didn't get any of that done, but okay. Then we move on with our life, and we do it all over again next year, right? Some ways to make things like that work. And this works really well in your real life as well. You find something you want to do. Right, I want to do X. This is what I tell my people all the time. So I look at them, I say, well, why? And I turn into a toddler really, really fast. Because you have to get down to the real reason. So I wanna do this, well, why? Well, because blah, 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 blah. Well, why? And if you ask why several times, you're gonna really get down to this is the real thing, not all these other things. And when you find the real thing, that's where you start. So one thing I would encourage you to do is start with your why right there rather than your what. A lot of times we start with the what. Well, I want to stop overeating. Well, why? Because I don't feel good about myself. Well, why? And you can go on and on and on. You get to the root of it. If you solve that root of the problem or you start there, your other things are going to become your what, not your why. And if you don't have a why for your what, you don't get anywhere right? It's hard. So, what's your why? If you want to serve God all the way, it's a great why, right? I want to be devoted to God. My desire is for him, right? Okay, that's your why. Great, you start there. How are you going to be the devoted to God are the next steps. When you want to be consistent, there's always going to be an obstacle in your way, Any of you have ever done anything, ever tried anything? You're like, yep, this is hard, can't be consistent here. With me, for running, it's been a struggle lately, right? I, my consistent is getting up at like 6, 6.30 in the morning, going and getting everything done before work, have the rest of my day and I'm good to go. New babies change that, right? Can't do that anymore. So I have to change this, I have to get creative, I've gotta avoid this obstacle and work around it. So, you know, I was traveling on Satan's conveyor belt the other night in my basement, a.k.a. a treadmill. It's, it's one for you right there. It's not from me, I read it somewhere and I enjoyed that because I hate the treadmill. Uh, but then yesterday, I was outside, my beard was all frozen, it was great, I loved it, and I was much happier, right? But I have to understand and try to avoid those obstacles and work around it, that's what I have to do. My why keeps me going, and they keep me pushing towards my goals. We have to consistently seek God. The devil doesn't take a day off, and it's clear that seeking God consistently is going to help us. Define what your why is and start from there. So next, we got a plan to fail. You have got to plan to not be perfect. Do you think Daniel ever missed his three times a day prayers? I bet he probably did. He's a human, just like us. Something got in the way, right? A lot of us have this all-or-nothing mindset that, well. If I mess it up once, it's over, I quit, I failed, I gotta move on to something else. No, that's not it. If you miss something one time, it's okay. You get back on the horse and you keep going. If we pre-decide we won't be perfect, it's super freeing. It doesn't give us licenses to do whatever we want and go, oh, I got this goal, well, I messed it up, I'm just gonna keep messing it up, but it's still my goal. I predecided I'm gonna do that. Well, no, it doesn't work like that. You gotta keep working on it. With something like praying or reading the Bible, I've heard it said in a really great way. you got to keep it simple. you got to keep it short. If you miss one day, don't miss two. Right? It gives you that freedom, but it also gives you some accountability. Right? If you miss one day in reading your Bible, okay, read it again tomorrow. You don't have to double up. It's cool. God's not counting your minutes up there, I don't think. So, but what you have to understand is you're going to mess up. You're going to fail a little bit. You're going to fall down. But it's getting back up that solves it for you. Some people won't come to church because they're afraid that they're going to mess it all up by cussing or flipping someone off in traffic. Hey, guess what? You're probably going to do that. Don't let that keep you from trying. You might do it this week. Please don't. Like, try not to, but it's probably going to happen, right? I mean, depending on how this game goes today, you know? I mean, come on. So, so, But for me, like when I talk about running, people always say, oh, I could never do what you do. You could, but you got to start, right? I didn't just like start being okay to run as much as I do. I've learned how to do it over time. I started somewhere and I consistently kept at it, right? I didn't start running half marathons. I started running a mile or a lap around a track, right? Something to think about too. It's a question to ask. So what's harder to train for a marathon or to train for a mile? It's harder to train for a mile. All marathon people are are people that train for a mile that kept consistent. That's all they are. That's all I am. The reason I can run more is because I'm just consistent at it. It's not because I'm different. So as we kind of get into the last point here, you'll start with your why. you got a plan to fail and you have to fall in love with the process. It's all a big circle, right? And it's a great circle. I'll tell you, I don't always love to fail at things, but I love to try things. I will try all kinds of things. If you go in my house, there's all kinds of things I've done in my house because I've decided to try it, right? Well, did things go wrong when I was doing it? Absolutely. Have I had water in places that I don't want water before? Yep. Have I cut boards too short before, yep. Have I had to go buy things again because I messed them up, yep, but that's okay. Because I did it and I learned it, right? And I love that part of it. And as soon as I get something done, I'm like, man, I'm proud of that. I'm really proud of that thing I did. I learned how to do that and I did it, right? And that's that part of the process as you get there. You know, everything at work for me, does it always go awesome? No. Do I have dumb ideas? All the time. I always tell my team, I have a lot of ideas, A lot of them are terrible. Can you just tell me? like, please do. And if we try something and it fails, let's just turn it off and do something else, right? Because that's how we learn. That's how we get better. And we start over and we keep moving, right? A lot of times I look at stuff and I'm like, huh, if I do this, what's the worst thing that could happen? And if, you know, the worst thing is like getting maimed or killed, I probably won't do it. But if the worst thing is getting embarrassed or failing, okay, sure. Like, let's just do it. Let's go. And then we fail and... We get embarrassed, and then we get over it, and then we move on, right? And so I think it's the same way with God. We have to consistently go through this and live our lives in a way that's going to honor God. We obsess about goals, and we think, gosh, I'm not going to succeed until I meet that goal. Uh, okay, that's not true. Our goals are big and lofty. Our paths are windy, right? You might not achieve the goal you want for 20 years. It's okay. The process is great. And the process is what gets you there. And the, You are successful, not when you achieve your goal, but you're successful when you're consistent, when you consistently keep working towards it. can't be consistent on your own, though. I've tried it. I know you've probably tried it. We all know that it's hard. We need God. We've got to have God to help us be consistent. Only God can help deliver us from our inconsistencies to help us stop drinking, to help us stop smoking, to help us work on Better and Better Parent, to get your finances in order, to achieve in your career, do whatever you want to do. So I want you to think, like, where is God asking you to be consistent? Ask him this week, where can I be more consistent? Where do I need to be better? Where can I go with this? You need to go to bed on time, you need to give consistently, you need to read your Bible consistently, do you need to love your kids more consistently? Do you need to love your spouse more consistently? What is it for you? So you got to start with your why. you got to plan to fail, and you got to fall in love with the process. Those are the things we have to do. We are successful at it when we honor God in what we're doing. And you got to call Him alongside you, and you got to walk alongside Him when you're doing this stuff. You can't just do it on your own. So with God's help, we can pre-decide to be consistent. So I'm gonna pray, we'll get you out of here. God, thank you for today and uh, thank you for all you've done for us and just help us to be consistent. Help us to walk with you consistently and everything else is gonna fall into place. Keep us all safe and warm and healthy. Amen. All right. I think the prayer team will probably be up here, I hope, and then we'll all see y'all next week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.